0: Welcome back to He Leadeth Me, a spiritual formation podcast for Focus staff, students, and friends. I'm Jessica, Focus's manager of spiritual formation, and I'm joined today by Father Kevin Dyer, our lead national chaplain. So, Father Kevin, I invited you here today to talk about books that people should read this upcoming year. And I want to tell you about a little tradition that I have for the new year. Okay. So every year in January, after Seek, when things calm down, I make a list of my dreams and goals for the new year. Okay. And so like last year, I had a dream to take my mom to Rome and I did that. And so that was really exciting. But I also have goals. Like this year, my goal is to pray the examined prayer every day. And I've actually done that really faithfully. One of my other goals is to join a gym.
1: Is have that a, one, uh, that, has that been uh, fulfilled yet?
0: Well, I researched the costs. of <laughs> the gyms. So, you know, baby steps, like you don't always accomplish a goal the first day right. of the new year. Yeah.
1: So, hey, you have 365 days.
0: Yeah. You check back with me, you know, like around September and we'll see if I made any more steps. But another thing that I like to do is I like to make a list of the books and the movies that I want to read and see during the new year. Because you can read whatever random book that gets presented to you or see whatever movie is coming out that year. But there are some classics, some stories that have captured people's imaginations and kind of withstood the test of time. And I just think it's so important to fill your mind with good stories. Like St. Paul will tell us that we should think about whatever is good, whatever is beautiful, whatever is lovely, and so I want to make sure that I'm filling my mind with lovely stories, stories that are going to inspire me. And so I wanted to talk to you about what books we should recommend that our missionaries and friends read this year. And as we were talking beforehand, you told me that you picked all fiction books. So my first question for you is, Why do you think it's beneficial for people's spiritual lives to read fiction?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing because I know that my spiritual life has definitely been helped through reading fiction, uh, through reading stories. And I think that fiction can be the place where our philosophies or theologies, our ideas, meet real life so that it, it allows us to imagine what these different ideas would mean for a human life if they're lived or if they're failed you know, to be lived. So it gets the mind imagining possibilities. And I think that fiction also helps us to see the world and see other lives with a broader scope because it can initiate us into you know, the possibility of other people's interior lives, their experiences. It can increase our empathy for the human experience and the human search for God and to live a good life. So that's the funny thing about fiction, is that it resists just being boiled down to one Thing that it is or is good at. There's just a number of different things that it can do.
0: Yeah, you know, I've told people before that I think that some of the books that I've prayed the most with have actually not been books on the spiritual life, but they've been fiction. Mm-hmm. So for example, I remember that there's one scene in Lord of the Rings where these orcs surround a fortress and they keep shouting to the people to despair that the dawn is never coming yeah. and that they're going to kill everybody inside, so they should just give up. And Aragorn, one of the main characters, goes on the wall and he shouts back at them, I defy you, the dawn is coming, and we're going to fight back. And I remember when I read that, I was trying to help a friend who was working through something incredibly difficult in her life. And that scene from that book, it created such a powerful image in my mind that I kind of felt like, I was Aragorn for her, convincing her that she should have hope that the dawn is coming and that ultimately Jesus was the one who was doing that for both of us, convincing us to have hope and to stay in the fight. But it was a fiction book that really inspired hope in me because it created such a powerful image in my mind. So I'm very grateful for the fiction books that I've read, and I would recommend that everybody always be reading some fiction. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, I want to hear your top three books that you think people should read this year. And just so the audience knows, we are not doing these in any particular order. These are just the three. So with that in mind, uh, start us off. What's the first one you're going to recommend?
1: So yeah, I, I would not label these either as like my favorite three books of all time. Just for whatever reason, they're standing out as being particularly important right now. So, first, I'll start out with maybe a more dystopian vision. So, yes, St. Paul wants us to lift our minds up to what's good, noble, uh, and such, but sometimes we also need to reflect on what's wrong with the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, this is uh, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, and Yeah, I think he does a good job in this book of depicting how we could turn into a tyranny, although he doesn't really lead us to a solution.
0: So sum up for me, what's it about?
1: So Brave New World depicts a, a dystopian society. You could call it a tyrannical society where life is controlled. But what's interesting about his vision is the way that people, the society got there. That the tyranny didn't come from uh, people, you know, a tyrannical ruler just imposing his will on everyone, but rather, the large segment of society chose the tyranny. Mm. and they chose the tyranny because they wanted comfort, they did not want risk. Uh, they did not want anything to go wrong in their lives. And so well, what a does a scary? Yes, what does a world look like uh, when humans try to put together a world where nothing goes wrong. And part of the reason why I think it's topical for us right now is because it presents us with the questions of what it is to live in a body. Hmm. A fundamental point of our faith is the incarnation, that God not only created the physical world, but he also sent his son to live in that physical world with a human body. And... A temptation for the church throughout history has been that of Gnosticism, uh, that of saying the, uh, the only world that matters is the world outside of this physical world. Whereas Christianity recognizes the fallenness of this world, but in essence says the only way past is through. Our pathway in life entails saying yes to this world with its good and its bad, its ease, its difficulty, its choice, its sorrows, and yeah, the human temptation to get past this world uh, ends in tyranny. in Alice Huxley's vision. And I would say, uh, in my own vision that it ends in tyranny if we try to deny having to live in this world.
0: Now, you know, I've never read this book, but I have heard people make references to it, like, oh, here our society is headed towards brave new world. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, become a common phrase. Yes. And people have said that Huxley was very prophetic. Did he write the book like in the 30s or something like that? It was written a long time ago. Yeah, and yet he foresaw a lot of things that are common in our culture today.
1: He did. Yeah, it was he had a very clear vision of what could happen. Now, again, I'm not saying that he was able to formulate a solution to the problem. He's better at just diagnosing the condition. Mm -hmm. And so that is part of that ambiguity of fiction that, you know, a book isn't necessarily going to give us the answers. Sometimes its value is just in getting us to recognize and think about a present circumstance. And then it leaves it to us to ask, what is the solution? What is the way forward?
0: That's a good point. So this sounds like one where I wouldn't want to read it by myself. I'd want another friend to be reading it so that we could discuss because it doesn't sound quite as uplifting as Pride and Prejudice, which is what I would naturally lean towards in my choice of fiction.
1: Jane Austen, it is not.
0: Right. And so some of us who are very melancholic and tend toward more depressing thoughts and need to uplift ourselves, I I do think it is important to read this kind of book. But for me personally, I'd have to discuss it with someone else so that I wouldn't just have an interior spin cycle of, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is everything that's wrong with the world, and now I'm sad.
1: Yes, that that sounds right. That sounds right. We had a great reading group at Jesuit High School a few years ago with Brave New World with some of the graduates of the school when they were back in town for uh, summer break. And it is a very good book to read with others and discuss.
0: So after I read Brave New World, uh, I'm definitely going to need something happier. So, do you have any happy choices, or, or are you just kind of a melancholic today? Well, not like you. Uh,
1: I uh, I tend toward uh, melancholic uh, choices in my uh, in my fiction and uh, movies, but the I'll give you a happy one. Okay. Which is in this house of breed by Rumor Godden.
0: Okay, now that book's fantastic. Yeah. I have read that. Can you sum it up for everybody or just give it a little bit about what it's about?
1: Well, it takes place in an abbey of Benedictine nuns in the late 50s and early 60s. So obviously, it's not a thriller. It is about the the lives of these Benedictine nuns, all of their ups and downs, their struggles. Rumor Garden, actually my... Introduction of Rumor Garden* was a few years ago when some Jesuit friends were together and we wanted to watch a movie. And one said that uh, Father Raymond Fitzgerald's favorite movie was Black Narcissus. And, well, Father Raymond Fitzgerald is very respected by people in the Jesuits, so we thought, oh, must be a great movie. Turns out it's also about nuns, but uh, it is about Anglican nuns in, I believe, Nepal, in the Himalayas, and based on a book by Rumor Godden, and it uh, ends with one of the nuns trying to throw another one off a cliff. A little We've bit all of a, have
0: these temptations? <laughs> so I, not exactly uplifting.
1: I wasn't sure what I was going to get within this House of Breathe, but it turns out it's an enormously uplifting book because you. It is one of the most true-to-life depictions of the religious life. It's so easy to depict the religious life either in terms that are sugary and sweet where there are no problems, or on the other hand, just you know irredeemably broken. Well, there's also a middle ground, which is you know, that abbeys are filled with real flesh and blood human beings going through normal human struggles, trying to serve God, and for me, the most interesting character was the abbess, was the woman in charge of you know, all of these lives that were entrusted to her and trying in the midst of what one would think is a very regimented, uniform lifestyle, trying to address the needs of each individual nun who comes to her. It's just an extremely beautiful book to see the way that the abbess tries to serve each of the nuns and the way that grace is alive and active in each of these nuns' hearts as they either cooperate or do not cooperate with the graces God gives them.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love In This House of Breed, and I agree with you. I think that it is one of the best depictions of religious life that I've ever seen. Because you see with the different nuns, like one of them is very young when she enters, and she's always thought she was going to be a nun, And then she starts to have doubts and you walk with her in this interior journey. And then you have the one who enters when she's a little bit older. And so she has difficulties with detaching from the life that she knew. And then you have the sister who's kind of plotting on how she is going to get ahead in the academic world because she's a writer and that's not the purest intention. And so you have fights that go on with the sisters and yet Everyone is sincerely striving for holiness. And so it's not just a good depiction of religious life. It's a really good depiction of just Christian life in general and Christian communities. Mm -hmm. In This House of Breed is a fantastic novel. And I'd recommend it for anybody, but especially for women discerning religious life. You will not find a better depiction in a novel than In This House of Breed. Mm All right, so what is your last choice?
1: So my last choice is going to be Father Elijah by Michael O'Brien. And this was a book that, for whatever reason, I resisted reading for years and years and years. Had so many people say that it was a good book. Why and
0: did you resist then?
1: I think I was just too arrogant. I was just <laughs> turning my nose up at it. Because it's what was, uh That's what was going on. I'm like, you know, oh, it can't be as good as what people say. You're going like. to be
0: the one person who doesn't like the Michael O'Brien book.
1: Yeah. And uh, finally, this past year, I read it, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And, you know, it's along the same lines of uh, Brave New World in that it deals with issues of tyranny, uh, of you know, how it is that a tyranny could, could begin uh, on this earth and in the modern world. But what it supplies that Brave New World does not is some inklings of a way forward. Now, these inklings are not in terms of a grand political structure, but rather in terms of individual human lives and the drama within each human heart to say yes to God's plan. And so Father Elijah is the central character who's really put face-to-face with tyranny A smiling tyranny, one could say, a a tyranny which on the outside professes to be all about the good of humanity, uh, but which underneath is filled with pride and violence. And so what Father Elijah does well is depicting the interior uh, journey of the central character, Father Elijah, who must say yes to God's individual plan for him who's placed into this drama, who has to deal with this, you know, with with voices within him saying, well, why me? Why why wouldn't my life just be better going back and doing what I was doing before and doing it faithfully? But nevertheless, he receives a mission uh, from God through the Pope to to enter into this struggle. And as with every human life, it is filled with yeses and noes, And finally, a beautiful reconciliation with accepting God's will for his life. So I was uh, a big fan of Father Elijah.
0: I haven't read Father Elijah either, but just last night I was with friends, and they had first introduced me to the author, Michael O'Brien, this Mm -hmm. past year. They gave me a copy of Island of the World. Mm -hmm. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I asked them, okay, so which Michael O'Brien book should I read this new year? And they gave me a copy of Father Elijah. Oh, good. So that's going to be my new book here. But let me tell you my history with Michael O'Brien. So I've only read that one of his books. And it was these friends who recommended him. And I started reading Island of the World, which is about the war in Croatia. Uh, And it follows the life of one character. uh, And he was a little boy during World War II. And then it follows him through when the communists took over and how he suffered with the communism. He moves to the United States. And then um, it follows all the way up to when he is an older man and there is the war in the 90s. And finally, when he's a very old man. And I was like, wow, this is an interesting choice to follow a character throughout his whole life. But I started reading it and they told me Michael O'Brien's written tons of books And some of them are thousands of pages. This one I don't think is a 1,000 pages. It was just like 800 or something. And so I went light at first. But I read the first chapter. And then I thought, well, I guess I can't have any friends until I finish this book. It was that good. His writing is just stunning. It's so engaging. And for me, that character, his name was Joseph. So I think that's uh, Croatian for Joseph. He was so real that sometimes I would forget that he was fiction and I would pray for him. (laughs) And towards the end of the book, I was thinking that he was a saint. And I'm like, I think you need to pray for me. But then it's like, no, no, he's not real. Um, But the writing was so stunning. And what impressed me so much about Michael O'Brien's style was that he really has a keen sense for human psychology and for the spiritual life. Mm So, you know, like we don't want to too quickly compare modern authors to the great literary geniuses. But I think that I've only seen that kind of psychological understanding in Dostoevsky's writings. Mm -hmm. So I was extraordinarily impressed with that. But I noticed that his style was also so poetic. He was able to capture the imagination with images and scenes. And with the spiritual undercurrent in all of these situations that I would find myself so easily moved into prayer with what I was reading.
1: He has that ability in his books to just lead you straight into prayer, to contemplation. And just to open up for someone the value of contemplation. Mm -hmm. By reading his books, you understand what the contemplative outlook is about you begin to appreciate its value.
0: Well, I'm really excited to read Father Elijah this year. But as we're talking about that contemplative value and being moved into prayer, uh, we want people not just to read fiction and move on with their lives, or even to read fiction and begin thinking more about life, although that's a very good thing, but we want it to impact their spiritual lives. And I know that the Jesuits, a really big phrase, where your order is finding God in all things. And so uh, when I read fiction, I try to ask the Lord when I'm done, like, how are you speaking to me through this? Or with some books, they're so powerful that I'm just moved into prayer. Mm -hmm. But how would you recommend that people use fiction to either enter into prayer or to somehow have some spiritual growth from their reading?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's really you can think of it in terms of maybe two routes. One is the, the route of appreciation. That the the novel can lead you into appreciating something that is real, that is you know, true or good or beautiful. And the simple act of appreciating things that are true, good, and beautiful lead you into contemplation. That is the contemplative outlook. So that would be one route. Uh, The second route is that they can also lead you toward action, toward how should my life change or how do I see our place in the world differently and how I should act in the world differently as a result of this. So, you know, one in line with the intellect, one in line with the will as ways of of going forward. But, you know, I like what you say that any anything that we experience in this world can be brought into prayer uh, it's allowing this this you know aspect of our existence uh, of our experience to be brought into contact with god's revelation uh, within the human heart so you know, anything can be brought into prayer uh, as long as it's being yeah being brought into contact with god
0: hmm. finding god in all things there we go Well, those are the three books that Father recommends for reading this year. We have A Brave New World, In This House of Breed, and Father Elijah. So I highly recommend that you buy those books, check them out from the library, and read them this year. And if possible, read them with friends and discuss and ask the Lord how he's speaking to your heart as you are reading. And even if you don't choose to read those books, read good fiction. So, Father, could we close with you offering a blessing for our audience?
1: Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God Almighty, Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have had to come apart for a while to talk about your role in our lives, to talk about the great role that books can play in drawing us to you and appreciating your truth and your goodness and your beauty. Praise we go forward today that your inspiration might always remain deeply rooted in our hearts. And may Almighty God bless all of you who are listening today, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Father Kevin. Thank you, Jessica. And thanks, everybody, for listening.